There we go. Praise the Lord. Well, you all may be seated. We're going to, at the end of the service tonight, we're going to have some time just to pray and wait on the Lord. Don't you like that when we just got time to just be in his presence? And we do that all of all services. But on Sunday night, we have a little bit more leeway. So that's why I know we're going to end up tonight. And are you glad about that? It's a good thing, isn't it? To pray and to seek the Lord's face. Well, some of you may have gotten an email that uh, stated, you know, what pastor was preaching last week and then what I preached last Sunday night on don't lose your shout. And then I had Jane put in there that tonight I was going to be starting a series on prayer, but we're going to be postponing that a couple of weeks. Uh, next Sunday night, we have a mystery guest in the house and you don't want to miss it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So you want to make sure you come next Sunday night. And then the following Sunday night, I'll be beginning a series on Lord teach us to pray. But tonight uh, I'm going to teach uh, on God with us. God with us. I just really had that phrase going over in my heart. And then after what hearing pastor's message this morning, and if you weren't here, you need to get that. You need to get last Sunday morning as well and listen to that. But I told him on the way to church that I'm just going to piggyback on some things that he shared this morning. It was excellent. But you know what? We all want God to be with us. Now, I, I realize that there can be some, maybe some confession cops out there. I remember when we first started getting in the word and, you know, how a lot of churches, people would pray and they would start their service with, dear Jesus, please be with us. And the confession cops would say, he's already in you. You don't need to ask him to be with you. He's already in you. And I know that. I know that he is in me. Do y'all know that? That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we're not minimizing the fact that when we're born again, Jesus lives on the inside of us. But we also, the longer I live and the further I go in life, I realize I want God with me. And you're going to see what I'm talking about as we go get into this tonight. I want God with me in my decisions. I want God's presence on my prayer life. I want to pray with the unction of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to do something in and of myself. I don't want to pray out of my head and out of my mind. I want to get into my heart. I want to live out of my heart, not out of my head. That's what it means having God with you. Has anyone ever been asked to go somewhere with someone? Perhaps somebody comes up to you and they say, hey, you want to do lunch? Well, my first question is usually, are you buying? (laughs) No, not really. But what does it mean when someone asks you, do you want to go have lunch with me? To go with someone means they're going to accompany you. They're going to, you're going to go somewhere together. If you're going to go have lunch with somebody at Olive Garden, then you're going to both be there at the same time at the same place. Well, when it comes to the things of God, we want God to be in all of our ways. We want to be in sync with his will and his plan for our lives. 
lives. It's no fun to get way out ahead of God and do something that we thought he wanted us to do or just do something that we wanted to do and find out God wasn't in it and God wasn't with us in that. That's no fun, is it? So our attitude ought to be like this of Moses. So when I was looking at this phrase, God with us, I started looking at some incidents in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. We are under the new covenant. They were under the old covenant. But I like this account of Moses. God had called him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he wanted assurance that wherever they went, whatever he did, the decisions he had to make, he wanted to make sure God was with him. So he had this discussion with God found in Exodus chapter 33. And we'll look at verse 14 through 16. This is Moses uh, talking to God in the first part of the chapter. And this is God talking back to him. And he said, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. Right there is a characteristics of God's presence being with us. There's rest. There's no struggle. There's no confusion. There's no straining and stressing and trying to make something happen. There's rest. Those that have entered into faith, guess what? You, there's a rest to faith. We got to work our faith, but faith is not really something where we got to push and pull in the natural. There's a rest to it. So he said, God said to him, all right, my presence is going to go with you and I'm going to give you rest. Then Moses said this back to God. You can have a conversation with God. If you're not talking to him, I wonder if you're really born again. Some people say, you know, I get a little nervous at all these Christians that say God talks to them. I get more upset about Christians that say God's never talked to them. If you're in a relation with somebody, a relationship with somebody, there's going to be a conversation. There's going to be them talking to you and you talking to them. So Moses is having this conversation with God. And he says to him in verse 15, Then he said to him, Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. In verse 16, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate. Your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Don't you love it? He's had this attitude. If your presence is not with us, I'm not going. That's a good model to live by. If you're trying to make a decision, many of you came forward today because you're in the process of making a decision. Well, in that decision-making process, is there presence? Is God's presence on it? Is there peace on it? And if you sense that you're taking all these steps and going in one direction and you're like, uh, where'd God go? And he's back there. You're in a wrong place. You need to 
rewind and back up and say, okay, I'm going to get right back over there where God last talked to me. And I'm not going to get out ahead of him. I'm not going to go somewhere where his presence isn't. Like pastor said this morning, follow the cloud of his glory and of his presence. Amen. So that was what Moses said. If you're not going with us, we aren't going. And then I like this other question that he, he presented to God. And he said, now how is it going to be known to people out there that are not in the covenant? How is it going to be known to them that you are with us? And God let him know, you're a separate people. We, as Christians, we don't believe in segregation. We don't believe in that in the natural. We certainly don't believe it in it in the church. That's not God's family. That's not God's way. But God does say we're to be separate. What does that mean? It means we are to come out from among the world. God said that. Come out. From among them, I will be your God and you will be my people. We're supposed to be marked by him. We're supposed to look different, act different, talk different. We're not supposed to try to blend in with the world's way of doing and saying things. If you've been working on a job for five years and some one day somebody asks you if you go to church and you let it be known that you're a Christian and you go to church and their response is, I would have never guessed. That's not a good response. We all let our light shine, right? Let our light shine so that men can see God in us. And through us. So Moses is saying, now how are they going to know that we're called by your name? How are they going to know that we are your people and you are our God? Good question. And we can see throughout the journey of the children of Israel getting into the promised land. And certainly after they possess the promised land. That there was a marked difference. It was evident that they were with God. And God was with them. Think about the ten plagues that came upon Egypt. Because Pharaoh wouldn't let the children of Israel go. If you read about that, those those plagues are found, I think, like starting in Exodus 7 through Exodus 10, 11, something like that. If you want to meditate on some horrible things that happened to people. But it was a marked difference. All these things, these plagues. In Egypt, there was flies and frogs and locusts and hail and all their livestock died and on and on. And in, in one of the last ones before the firstborn being killed, it says there was dense darkness. So dark it could be felt. And then it said, I just read this yesterday. It was so dark that people did not move for three days. Just heaviness and darkness. But you know what it also said in that same passage? You can read it. I believe it's in Exodus 10, somewhere in there. 
it says, but in the land of Goshen, the land of Goshen, the land where the people of God were dwelling, the land where the people were with God and God was with them. It said there was light, light in the land of Goshen. That's a distinction between those who are with God and not with God. For those that are on the Lord's side and those that are not on the Lord's side. It really stood out when these plagues started happening. There could have been maybe a, an Egyptian that he's down there among the children of Israel. And he said, oh, he heard, you know, about them wanting to go. And so he's like, ooh, I'm going to convert to Judaism. So he, in out of his mouth, he starts saying, I'm with you guys. I'm going to convert to Judaism. But in his heart, he still did not believe in God. And these plagues started showing up. He might have said it with his mouth. But he couldn't hide the frogs that were in the pantries and the flies that were swarming around his head. It was fake news to say that he was with God. And you know, fake news, fake news always comes to light. The things that are done in darkness are going to be revealed by the light. And in the light. And there's probably a message in there, but we are not going to sidetrack myself. We're not going to go there right now. But we do know that God showed himself strong. He showed himself strong on the people that were on the Lord's side. How many in here tonight are on the Lord's side? Woo! How many of you are with him and you know he's with you? Glory be to God. I'm in him and he's in me. Praise the Lord. That's what we know as born again believers. We can talk a long time about who we are in Christ. But let me give you this one scripture. Colossians 1.27. This is who we are. They were under the old covenant. God did show himself strong on their behalf. But folks, we're under a better covenant with better promises. And this is one of them. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Read that part with me. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So everybody do this. Christ is in me. And it's my blessed hope that I am filled with all the knowledge. Of who lives in me. Woo. Hallelujah. Christ in me. The hope of glory. So again, we're not minimizing the fact that Christ is in us. But it is good to know that Jesus is not only in us. Jesus is for us. Jesus is on us. Woohoo! Manifestation of the Holy Ghost and power coming upon us. That's him on us. He's in us. He's for us. He's on us. And tonight we're talking about he is with us. It all started when God said, I'm going to send my only begotten son into the earth. 
And this is what his name is going to mean. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. This isn't just for Christmas. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name. What is it? And what is Emmanuel translated? God with us. There was a promise given before Jesus ever came thousands of years early that God was going to send the deliverer, the Messiah. He was going to come and he was going to be with his people. Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He came and he dwelt among men. He was, he is the only begotten son of the living God. Yes, he came. Yes, he walked out the plan of God. Yes, he died for us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. Are you thankful that Jesus came in the flesh? Are you thankful that he gave us eternal life? And in him, in him, we have all redemption. In him, we know we're redeemed. Glory be to God. So as he's walking out his plan, he was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. And he went about doing good, signs, wonders, and miracles, not because he was God, but because he was anointed. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit And with power. We said Jesus is for us. Jesus is in us. Jesus is on us. Woohoo. The anointing is on you. Just like the anointing was on Jesus. God anointed him to do what he did. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing what? What did he go about doing? He did good. And he healed. That tells us right there. Healing is good. Sickness is bad. It's not hard to to discern. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father above. Every bad thing, every disease, every oppression, all wickedness, all evil doesn't come from heaven, comes up from beneath. But we're not concentrating on that. We're looking at him and saying, woohoo, good things come from my good, good father. And Jesus was anointed to do good and to heal all. Everybody say all. All. What does all mean in English? What's all mean in Spanish? Spanish, Spanglish, I can't even say it. (laughs) All. All means everyone and everything. I couldn't say that anyway. We'll stick with all. How's that? All who were oppressed of the devil. And then look at this phrase. For God was with him. Right here, this shows us the anointing came upon him just like the anointing comes upon us.
to do the works of Jesus. But also, he had this assurance, God was with him. What does that mean that Jesus had God with him? Does that mean that everywhere he went, people were so excited? Yay! It's Jesus. It was more like, stone him, the false prophet. Did the religious leaders say, oh, we embrace you, the Messiah. Come on in to the synagogue. Give us forth of your wisdom. No, they were more like, crucify him, crucify him. They didn't offer him any support. They didn't offer him any assistance. Did Jesus ever face any opposition? It's more like, did he not ever face any opposition? Jesus faced resistance. Yes. But was he in the will of God? Yes. Was God with him? So, I mean, hey, we're getting somewhere with this. I heard somebody say this recently. We cannot say, find where there's no resistance. And there you will find the will of God. No, it's more like, hmm, (laughs) we won't go there, but it's more like when you run against resistance and oppositions, you know you're in the will of God. If it's the case that we're in the center of God's will and we're not ever going to face any resistance, well, then guess what? Jesus, Peter... James, John, Paul, none of them ever got in the will of God because they had a lot of opposition. So the key for us knowing we're in the will of God and God is with us, it's not the absence of challenge, neither is it the presence of challenge. We're not moved by those things. We're not led by those things. What are we led by? We're led by peace. We're led by presence. We're led by the unction on the inside of us. We're not led by external things out here. Little deals that the devil may or may not stir up. Sometimes when you're getting ready to make a change and you've been praying and praying, you prayed ahead of yourself and a lot of these obstacles are, are removed. But then there's other times you've done the same amount of praying and it's like all hell breaks loose. And you cannot base whether you're in the will of God or out of the will of God on circumstances and on other people's reactions and what they're doing and what they're saying. The only way to know if God is with you in this is what's in here. Is there peace, presence, unction? And then as I was studying, I got this. And is there grace? Grace, regardless of the circumstances. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can anybody testify to that? Anything that I've done, anything that I've accomplished, it's by the grace of God. I am what I am by him and in him. And his grace toward me 
was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. And then I like this last phrase. This is what stood out to me. But the grace of God, which was with me. There is a grace for our race. There is a place of provision. And don't think you're on the wrong path or you're not running your race. If you hit a little bump or you hit a little curve or a little setback, if that unction is still there, you just keep on moving forward. Grace for your race. Every single one of us have a destination, but it's not going to be the same journey for any two people. We all have the final destination in mind. We all want to hear. What do we want to hear? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We don't want to hear undone. And we certainly don't want to hear, well, no, we want to hear, well done. But in this journey called life, our final destination, every one of us in this room, is heaven and pleasing Jesus. But we're not all going to have the same journey in getting there. God is such an individual God. He knows exactly everything about you. He knows the place you need to work. He knows the divine connections that need need to be made in your life. He knows opportunities that he's bringing your way that you need to step into. And it's going to be different for every person. He is such an individual God that he said, the Bible says, the hairs on our head are numbered. Now, let me see here. Eric, that's an easy job for God. With you, done. Just picking on him. The hairs on our heads are numbered. The color is optional because it may change. We're getting ready to go to Abuja, Nigeria, and to go into that country. Not only do you have to have a passport, you have to have a visa. And so we had to answer all these questions, you know, your height. I don't think they ask weight, thank goodness, but your height, color of eyes, and then it had color of hair. And I sat there and I wanted to put question mark not sure but you know it could change by the time we go but you know a little side journey this just comes to me make sure y'all are still awake what we do at the outside of our body you know it really we're supposed to take care of the temple of god but god doesn't really care what color your hair is and all of that stuff but we do not want to be like this woman Now, this is a fictional story, so nobody lose your salvation. Everybody know what fictional is? Not true. So this lady, she uh, had to have this operation, Christian. She died on the operating table. She went to heaven. When she got to heaven, the Lord said, I'm going to send you back to earth, and I'm going to give you 20 more years. So she woke up, and she was already, you know, past middle age. So she woke up and she's, wow, I'm going to live 20 more years. So if I'm going to live 20 more years, I'm going to look good. She must have been from L.A., you know what I mean? Anyhow. (laughs) 
So she started making all these appointments. Never liked my nose. I'm going to get my nose done. My eyes definitely need a lift, so I'm going to get this lift done. And let's Botox those lips and let's get rid of all of those chins. So procedure after procedure after procedure. So finally, the last day comes when she's going to go to the plastic surgeon for the last time. And he removed the bandage off of the last procedure he'd done. She looks in the mirror and says, wow. I really look good. I look ten, at least 10 years younger. So she's walking out of his office just completely consumed with how good she's looking. And she wasn't paying attention. She stepped into ongoing traffic, hit by a truck, died. <laughs> Went right back up to heaven. Oh, no. And she said, Lord, you told me I was going to live. 20 more years. And he kind of put his head down and said, I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> not true, y'all, not true. Just wanted to wake all some of you up. <laughs> you're awake now. Okay, good. You're all back awakened. That is not true, and it is not scriptural, but it is funny. And it could be a reality, especially, like I said, not here, L.A., for sure, L.A., but not here. Anyhow, God does have an individual plan for each and every one of us. It's all different. A lot of it is according to our individual makeup. But we as believers have the responsibility to learn how he speaks to us. Pastor, again, you need to listen to that message this morning. But learn how he speaks to you. You can, you can just track it. Is it kind of like this little velvety feeling on the inside? Or if you're not supposed to do something, is it more like a, oh, I know when I may be planning on doing something and it wasn't God. I just feel like sitting down and crying because I know something's not right. However, he leads with you, but follow that track, the leadings, the promptings, the checks, the times that you had this little scratch on the inside and maybe you pushed through and did it anyway and it didn't turn out good. That was a check of the Holy Ghost, but we can know his will, his plan and his purpose for our life. I love this scripture over in Jeremiah 29, 11. Out of the NIV, it says this. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. What kind of plans? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Do you know how many people are worried about the future? Do you know how many young people don't think there is a future? That the world's going to blow itself up and why should I even bother getting a job or getting an education? There's no future in this country. There is a future in God. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging for bread. God has good things in store for his people. He's got plans. He's got ways. He's got means to prosper us. 
Even if the economy is messed up and it collapses, we got a higher way, a higher standard to live. We live by the law of sowing and reaping. We live by the law of give and it shall be given unto you. Hallelujah. We live according to my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches. In glory. Hallelujah. That's how we live. So that gives us hope for our future. Because it's found in him. That same passage out of the Amplified even says it a little clearer. For I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. Aren't you glad You're on his mind. The thoughts I have for you. He's thinking about you every single day. He's thinking about you. You're on his mind. You're in his heart. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare. And here's that word, peace. Peace. And not for evil. To give you hope in your final outcome. Peace. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the peace of God that passeth all understanding? And his peace and his presence. Just stand up here, sweetheart, right now. The unction's on you. Father, whatever this precious sister is dealing with. Lord, I'm thanking you right now for your peace. Thank you. Peace. Thank you. That word is for you, honey. He's your Yibasimbrotaha. Trust in the Lord. There's hope for you. Your future is bright in Him. Just receive His help. Hallelujah. Yes, I know you do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing helping her right now in the peace of God. Coming upon her now. Peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now this is how we can know his plan. We can know. We can know. How many of you know you're saved? You're on your way to heaven. Singing and shouting the victory. Just like you know. You're saved. You can know the path that he has prepared for you. You can know what you're supposed to do with your life. He's not hiding things from his children. He's just waiting for us to ask so that they can be revealed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When we're on that right path, Peace will be prevalent. Joy will be there. And provision, and like we said, grace. When we're walking through this path, God never said that we wouldn't face a difficulty. But he did promise us that there's a way of escape. And it's not just barely get by. God with us does not always mean smooth sailing, but it does mean we're going to get 
to the other side. And we're going to experience victory and joy unspeakable and full of glory. I hear this in my spirit. Don't stop in the middle of the lake. Don't stop in the middle of the storm. Jesus did not tell his disciples, get into the boat. We're going to go halfway and drowned. No, he said, get into the boat. We're going to the other side. And the spirit of God is saying too many of my children stop short. They're doing what they know to do. They're trusting me. They're confessing the word. They're using their faith. And a storm arises. And instead of resisting the storm and standing firm in the name of Jesus, they jump out of the boat and they drown. No. Stay with it. Stay in the boat. Hold fast to Jesus' words and you're going to get to the other side. Hallelujah. The Lord, he, he's, his will, he never said, he said that he would never leave us. He will never leave us. He's with us. But the question is, are we with him? When Abraham Lincoln was trying to decide Are we going to have this war or not? And he knew in his heart it was the right thing to do. He prayed. God directed him to start that horrible war. But it had to happen. It had to happen. The Civil War. But after he had begun the war, some people came in. And they began to say to him, Are we we doing God's will? And he said, it's not a question of whether we are on the Lord's side. The question is, we must be on his side. And it's the same in our lives. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He always loves us. But if we get out ahead of him in some things, we're on our own. If we insist and persist in doing something our own way, In a sense, we're tying his hands. Because he can't bless what he didn't ordain. So that's why we have to know. We have to know that we know. Lord, are you in this? Is this what you want me to do? I can speak from personal experience that there's been times that we thought a good thing was a God thing. And sometimes you can just push your way and try to make something happen. I'm not talking about any huge mistake or anything like that, but just little things in life. And every time you push and try to make something happen, that's not God. I can guarantee you it's going to cost you time and most of the time money. Because what God didn't authorize, he didn't pay for. (laughs) Can I get a witness? Don't look so holy out there. You've been there, done that as well. When I went over there to pray for you, sweetheart, this is where we were going. The key to discovering what his plan and his purpose is <coughs> and knowing that God is with you in your decisions. Back here in Jeremiah 29, I want to look at verse 12 through 13 in the Amplified. 
See, a lot of times we quote 11 because it's so awesome. Woo, he's got plans. He's got purposes for us. Woo, hoo, hoo. He's going to give us hope. Wow, awesome final outcome. But the rest of this tells us how we're going to know what that is. Then you, everybody say, that means me, (coughs) will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. And then verse 13, then you will seek me, (coughs) inquire for and require me as a vital necessity and find me when you search for me. With what? All your heart. This is the key. Call on me. Spend time with me. Seek me. Inquire of me. It's necessary for you to know. You got to inquire of me. You have to spend time praying out the plan. And not living out of your head, but out of your heart. It's good. It is good. The path of the righteous does truly get brighter and brighter. Hallelujah. But we do have to look to him. Spend time with him. Like pastor's message this morning. Stop, look, and listen. Hallelujah. So let's all stand to our feet right now. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we have this wonderful privilege of you living on the inside of us, of you being for us. You're not against us. You're for us. You want to show us things to come. Oh, you want to reveal to us the necessary steps that we need to take. So much so that when you physically left this earth, you said, I'm going to send one to be what? What did he say about the Holy Ghost? I'm going to send one to be with you and to be in you, your heavenly helper. And if you will pray in the spirit, one of his functions is he will show you things to come. He takes what he hears from the father and he reveals it into our heart. We don't have to live in the dark. We don't have to wonder what our next step is. Someone in here, you've been trying to make something happen. You've been pushing every button, pulling every lever, knocking on doors and oh, 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 I got to make this happen. But the spirit of the God of the Lord says, just stop, stop. All of that work of the flesh. Stop working yourself up into a tizzy. You know what that is? Weeping and wailing and pulling and screaming and yelling. Stop all that stuff. Just get quiet. 
Some of you need a timeout. Did you ever give your kids a timeout when they were bad? Okay, there you go, buddy. You're going in the corner. You got a timeout. Well, God's not mad at us, but he's saying that to some people right now. You need a time out. You need to just get quiet. Quiet your mind. Quiet your thoughts. Unplug all the social media stuff. Be still. Yeah, some of you, you just flat need to be still. And know that I am God. Acknowledge me in all of your ways. And I will direct your path. Stop going your own way and find out what the way is for you. So we're going to facilitate some quiet time tonight. Quiet doesn't mean sad. But quiet means we're some of I want all of you that can to come down here to the front, find a place to kneel if you can kneel.